It's a big week for the brand this week, Joey. DFS dose. I mean, if we're known for two things, one, it's for me being behind Darius Slayton. I always have been, always will be, aka Godius, Young Slay, you know the works. And then, you know, for you, on the other hand, a player that you've been on, I'd say equally as hard over the past two years would be uh, the new starter for the Washington football team, Kyle Allen. I know you were overjoyed when you heard that he Mm. seized the starting quarterback position uh, in Washington. Big week for us. Oh, Benny, you love to cap, don't you? I mean, Kyle Allen is my son. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, played him in that one week last year where he, where he scored 28 points. And that was pretty lit. And ever since then, there's been this running joke that Kyle Allen is my guy or whatever, which, you know, he is. But let's just set the record straight right here. I founded Darius Slayton and you hopped on the bandwagon mid 2019 season there are tweets there are records there are receipts of me tweeting about Darius Slayton in April and March of 2019 before he got drafted but you weren't about Darius Slayton aka Godius until November slash December of 2019 and then you fully hopped on the bandwagon in 2020 so Stop the cat. Set the record straight. Mm-hmm. I am the original founder. Give me my credit where it is due. When I banked the Millie Maker this week with Godius in my lineup as I play him in the Millie Maker every single week with my single bullet, hashtag Godius Challenge, and then I get Godius tatted on my skin, the debate will be over. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 95 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to break down the week five main slate on DraftKings, take a look at some slate-specific notes based on what Vegas is telling us. We'll talk some chalk, go over our cash game lineup construction thoughts, as well as spots that we can find leverage in tournaments. Of course, we'll close out the show with our best bets, but before we get to any of that, Joey, can you tell the people how they can support the podcast? You could support the podcast by following us on Twitter, at the DFS Dose, and then you can also go on any podcast platform that you may use soundcloud apple podcast spotify stitcher podcast addict wherever you listen to the dfs dose is on there so make sure you subscribe that is important subscribe to the podcast like the podcast if it's you know on soundcloud or whatever follow the podcast well, whatever you just have to do something uh, maybe leave a rating as well if you're feeling especially generous and then you can go ahead and subscribe to our youtube if you know let's say you're one of those people that doesn't listen to the full podcast you can go and see you know three to nine clips every week on the youtube channel at the dfs dose only 49 subscribers and i know we have more listeners than that so go subscribe to the youtube channel at the dfs dose or you know, I'll just be sad if they don't. 
And like I said, if you don't want to listen to the full podcast, which I think you should, but if you don't, the clips are on YouTube. So make sure you're subscribed over there. Yeah. In addition to the podcast clips, we also put up videos, full videos. Joy breaks down the Millie Maker every single week in the stacks that he likes for that. I preview my cash pool article and that article you can find on the DFSdose.com every single Friday where I go in depth on every cash viable play on DraftKings in a given week. So yeah, I mean, that's that's the best ways to support the podcast, I would say. Let's dive right into the slate though, Joey. It is an interesting slate. 12 game main slate with eight games early and four games late. However, we have two games that are heavily in question. I think that this is most likely going to be a 10 game slate when it's all said and done. I think the Titans and Bills game is in extreme doubt right now with the number of Titans that continue to be added to the COVID list daily and the Patriots game in my opinion has to be 50-50 at best with you know Cam Newton last week Stefan Gilmore announced on Wednesday to have COVID-19 and you know it seems like right now it's going to be a go but this could easily be a situation like we saw with Tennessee where the Patriots it, it just becomes more and more each and every day so I mean how are you feeling right now about the state of these two teams Uh, as it relates to COVID and whether or not we're going to see these games played this week. Yeah, so just for the latter part, I don't think these games are going to be played. And I think I jinxed it in my video because I've mentioned that, you know, these games might not get played and they might get postponed. And that's coming to fruition in my opinion. So I don't think these games are going to be played. Um, I think the Titans should have to forfeit this game Mm -hmm. because they found out they broke uh, the NFL's protocols. So, you know, they're kind of dumb for doing that, for having an unscheduled workout when the facilities were supposed to be closed. Yeah. Good job, Titans. Uh, shout out to my Derrick Henry first round pick. Uh, gotta love it. <laughs> but yeah, these games aren't going to be played. So it's going to be a 10 game slate, which is going to make it interesting for tournaments because I detailed it in my video, but the ownership will be condensed without two games to more of you know the higher owned players in the stacks like the chiefs etc yeah and you know i did that whole long rant about accountability at the start of our last podcast and i completely agree with you about the titans i mean they should be held accountable for this don't just mess up the entire nfl schedule because you guys couldn't follow the protocols um definitely (laughs) should be forced to retroactively forfeit the steelers game and forfeit this coming Bills game, in my opinion, and then just revert the Steelers' schedule to the way it was before they botched this whole thing. In terms of some other slate-specific notes from Vegas, it's another week with several big total games. We have five games with totals above 50 and four teams with implied totals above 30. The top five implied team totals on the slate, Kansas City Chiefs with a whopping 34.75 implied team total, Baltimore at 32, Dallas 31.75, Houston 30.25, and in the fifth spot, San Francisco 28.5. My first question to you is revolving around the Houston Texans. Uh, Do you think that there is a higher percentage chance that they fail in this spot to reach a top five implied total on the slate, you know, with the midweek firing of their head coach, Bill O'Brien, they're switching play callers for the second time in two weeks. You know, is this a spot where they're going to live up to expectations? Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's definitely tricky, but I think this is a spot where they should perform well against a Jaguars defense that lets anybody perform well against them. I mean, let's be honest, Joe Mixon went off for like 50 points against the Jags and Joe Mixon is terrible. Nah, I'm kidding. But yeah, I think the Texans 
will have a fire lit under them after they fired the biggest donkey or one of the biggest donkeys in the NFL, Bill O'Brien. And, you know, I like the Texans stack in DFS. Um, Like you said, they are switching play callers, but they're switching back to their original play caller who started the season, Tim Kelly, their offensive coordinator, will be calling the plays. So there still is some continuity there. And like I said, this is just a get-right spot for the Texans. Just an incredible matchup against the Jags defense that really can't compete with anybody. That's a fair point. I do think there's some credence to the uh, you know lit fire under their asses theory, especially considering that <laughs> there are reports that you know this was like a player-led revolt. Uh, you know, started by J.J. Watt, and you know the rest of the team got on board and, and basically got O'Brien out of there. So yeah, maybe they will mm-hmm. respond really positively in this spot. What else stands out to you on this slate from a Vegas perspective? Yeah, I mean, Kansas City at a 34.75 team total is crazy. It's the highest total that we've seen this year. And those players from the Chiefs side of the ball are looking to be the highest owned players on the slate. Yeah, uh, we might as well just transition into some chalk talk right off the bat here because the running back in that game, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, is projected to be the highest owned Running back on the slate at 6,800 home favorites by 13 points, 34.75 implied team total. Uh, Are you buying Edwards Hilaire as a chalk play this week? Yeah, I think CEH will garner a lot of ownership. I think at minimum, he will be, you know, top two in terms of highest owned running backs with him and Zeke. Um, He could push number one. Uh, I mean, this is just a phenomenal spot for Clyde Edwards Hilaire at home against a terrible Raiders defense, in my opinion. I mean, they have the third worst run defense in terms of DVOA. So this is a good spot for CEH, who's been averaging over 20 touches a game and has a clear defined role in the Kansas City Chiefs offense. And I mean, just a running back on the best offense in the NFL with the best quarterback in the NFL and one of the best coaches in the NFL. Like, don't overthink it play CEH it's not that hard like sometimes DFS is hard but this isn't hard just lock CEH in he's 6800 and this is a guy that should realistically be above 8k yeah I couldn't agree more I mean any home running back on a team with an implied total of 34 and three quarters you know as a 13 point home favorite would have to be in cash game consideration if that running back is also a dynamic dual threat that's heavily utilized in scoring positions with you know, receiving upside going against the team, the Raiders, which I should mention have allowed the most receiving yards to running back through the first four games of the season, 69 yards per game. I mean, Edwards Hilary's game flow independent, uh, playing on 73% of snaps in week four, the highest he's seen of the season. And he's tied for fifth most uh, red zone rushing attempts in the year. I think that his box score doesn't jump off the screen right now because he's only had one touchdown through four weeks. And with that usage in the red zone, that that positive touchdown regression is coming. And I think that it could happen as soon as this week. Um, the other guy that you mentioned is is Ezekiel Elliott. And, you know, we were all over him last week, as was everybody. But I think that this is a week where we run it back at, at 7,800 with Zeke. We talk about it every week, or it feels like we've talked about it every week. But Ezekiel Elliott is a very talented running back on the most talented offense in the NFL, and they also field one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So what does that mean? It means the Cowboys are going to be scoring a lot of points because they're most likely going to be losing in every single matchup. Um, 
probably not this week against the Giants uh, with Daniel Jones being absolutely terrible through the first four weeks of the NFL. But Ezekiel Elliott, I mean, do we really need to talk about Zeke? Averages over 20 touches, home favored running back, uh, is on pace to set a career high in reception. So he's be being utilized in the passing game and he's their goal line running back as well. Like, I, I don't know what else to tell these people, Ben. Like, if you don't play CEH and Zeke, just send me the head-to-heads. Yeah. JD carrying 300, uh-huh. please. Second-year pro as well. I mean, I'll take those as well. I mean, if you're not starting your cash lines with these two guys, you might be in the wrong game. Third highest projected running back on the slate from what I'm seeing is a guy that I actually i am not so sure about. Not, not quite sure about this one, Joey. Now, you and I have said, both of us have said many times throughout the offseason that if Nick Chubb ever goes down, Kareem Hunt would be a lock and load RB1, potential to be the RB1 overall in fantasy. I know that, you know, that sentiment has come out of both of our mouths. Now, potentially, this is just due to the fact that he was dealing with a groin injury. But after Nick Chubb left, I mean, Hunt was only in on 35% of snaps. So did we overvalue uh, what Hunt Hunt's role could be? I mean, how much is his role going to expand? And can we play him as a chalky running back in a negative matchup against the Indianapolis Colts at 6,500. It's tough because like you said, he is dealing with an injury. So that makes him more of a riskier play. But I think Kareem Hunt is one of the most talented running backs in the NFL. And then obviously without Nick Chubb in the picture for the next six weeks, he is going to be a very great fantasy asset. And at 6,500, I think this might be unpopular. I think he's a great play this week. I don't know if people are going to play him in cash, especially with Mike Davis, um, $100 cheaper in a better matchup. But I think the Browns can exploit the Colts defense. I mean, the Colts do have the number one defense uh, in the NFL right now in terms of yards allowed, but they've also faced very terrible teams. So I think that plays a factor into it. And the Browns, we know what they want to do. They want to establish the run and Kareem Hunt is going to be the running back that will do that for them. And then he also will not come out of the game if they're losing in this matchup either. So I think it's a win-win for Kareem Hunt. But the riskiest part is the groin injury, like you mentioned. Yeah, that's something we have to be cognizant of and and just paying attention to what we hear out of Cleveland over the next couple of days. I mean, the the positive thing about Kareem Hunt is, like you said, the game flow independence. They're going to rely on him with Nick Chubb out. And if they do get down in this spot, which seems you know, likely or at least 50-50, then he'll be even more involved. It's also encouraging that he was the, you know, featured back in the red zone, even when Nick Chubb was, you know, healthy. Hunt had 17 red zone attempts through four weeks, 15 attempts and two targets. So I think that Hunt is definitely somebody that we have to consider. And you mentioned Mike Davis in this spot, and he's going to garner quite a bit of ownership as well. This Dan Quinn schemed defense for the Falcons, nothing has changed, Joey. Nothing has changed since 2019, since 2018. They're allowing the second most receptions to running back. This has been a hole in their defense for years now, and we've been targeting it. Uh, oftentimes with Christian McCaffrey, and and now I think we're going to target it with Mike Davis. He is going to be a popular chalky play, and and deservedly so. Yeah, Mike Davis, I feel like, is a great play this week. I mean, he's seeing a majority of the snaps. I know Reggie Bonifon came in and had a large snap percentage last week, but the Panthers were up big in that game, so 
I think that is a reason why uh, Bonifon played a little bit, but Mike Davis is just a guy that has seen no less than six targets in the games that he started, eight, nine targets in the previous two weeks, six targets last week. But like I said, the Panthers were up in that game. So there was really no need to throw the ball to Mike Davis, but this is a game where a lot of fantasy goodness can can happen in this uh, matchup between the Falcons and the Panthers. I mean, the Panthers have a terrible defense that Matt Ryan and, you know, Calvin Ridley and Zach might be able to exploit so they'll put up points the Panthers will put up points on this terrible Falcons defense and Mike Davis is just a guy that I'm going to be targeting in my cash lineups due to his reception upside he's not going to come off the field great matchup and just a great environment for scoring uh in in this game in general so Mike Davis is a top tier play for me this week yeah I, I agree with that take as well and then you know really there's essentially no chalk at least in terms of the early week projections at quarterback or really at wide receiver either. I mean, we can talk about a lot of these guys as we go through the podcast and our cash games and tournament sections, but the one guy who is chalk that we haven't really mentioned yet, or at least projected to be is George Kittle, which is somewhat surprising to me because usually these tight ends that are higher priced don't get that up there in ownership. But I, I think as a whole, maybe the DFS community, the space in general is just sick of taking these L's and, and maybe, you know, last week everybody punted down either Logan Thomas or, or Troutman and, you know, that donut burned. So I think they're, they might be <laughs> overcompensating and going up all the way to Kittle, the highest price tight end 6,600. And I got to say, I think I might be on board with it, to be honest. I'm kind of sick of taking these L's at tight end as well. Yeah. I mean, tight end just has been absolutely terrible. And I think this is like, one of the first times that George Kittle is on the main slate, maybe his second time, uh, but you know he has dealt with injuries, and at 6,600, he had 15 catches against the Eagles, 15 targets and 15 catches for 183 yards as a tight end. That is absolutely insane, and in a great matchup against Miami at home. Hopefully, Jimmy Garoppolo is back, which will boost Kittle stock even more but if not it looks like CJ Beathard will be the starting uh, Niners quarterback which I would then uh, not Kittle a little bit but I think you're right with the whole you know the DFS community is sick of just taking absolute L after L after L at the tight end position so George Kittle looks to be the highest owned tight end on this slate uh projected right now oh man old br can't believe we have to talk about that man in 2020 let's hope jimmy g gets back healthy um we can transition here to cash game lineup construction and one of the reasons why i think that george kittle's projecting popularly and one of the reasons why people are going to be able to find the salary to get up to a tight end above 6k is because there are a few min priced wide receivers that i think are in play at least. Uh, the first, Demir Bird, your boy, you know, the, the leading target in the Patriots offense right now, who would have thunk? And then Olamide Zacchaeus, that's a little close to Godius for me, but we'll let it ride. Um, both of these guys at min price, uh, do either of them tickle your fancy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think that Patriots game plays, which would take Demir Bird out of the, out of the equation, but if that game does play I think he is a solid play maybe not as solid as it would be if Stidham starts because Stidham didn't look too good 
in in relief of Brian Hoyer, and Brian Hoyer was god awful. Like he was terrible. But Demir Bird would be a solid play, and then Olamide Zacchaeus. If let's say Julio is out and Calvin Ridley is still banged up, I think we should seriously consider him at min price. I think I've came around to Zacchaeus, although he is kind of a dusty player. Uh, the opportunity would just be too hard to pass up on at min price. And it would allow for a lot of flexibility in your lineup. Yeah, I mean, he led Atlanta in targets in week four, played over 75% of snaps in both week three and week four when Julio misses week three and then left at halftime in week four. Caught 12 of his 15 targets over the last two weeks and he's stone men. So I think that Zacchaeus is definitely in play. I would prefer him to Demir Bird regardless of whether or not that mm-hmm. Patriots game plays. And, and that's just because, I mean, I guess I don't know right now because they took it off the board what the Patriots total is, but I, I wouldn't expect it to be as high as the Falcons at 28.2. Just for the fact of like scoring environment alone, I think that Zacchaeus is the min price wide receiver to target if we're going there in cash games this week but you know in journalism school joey they tell they teach you not to bury the lead you know when when something is the most important part of a story you put it up at the front you know you don't you don't wait around and i've already buried the lead because we're not talking about darius slayton now i've got a list here of of people with different traits and i'm going to read off this list to you and i I want you to tell me if you can guess what they have in common okay Mm -hmm. uh so people who like pineapple on their pizza people who prefer iced coffee to real coffee, people who ride their bikes in the road and think that they're equal to cars, people who order chicken wings and, you know, they look down at their nice platter of food and they reach for the drum before they go for the flat, uh, people who don't tip their their waiters and their bartenders, and then people who aren't going to be playing Darius Slayton in cash in, in week five. What, what do these people all have in common? I think that they're all scumbags. Scumbags and absolute morons is the correct answer (laughs) i mean come on if you're not starting your cash lineup with darius aka godius slayton in this spot dfs is probably not the game for you this man has a 38 percent market share of his team's air yards that's legit wide receiver one stuff he's averaging seven targets per game and the cowboys have allowed a 100 yard receiver in three out of their four games the one game that they didn't they allowed odell beckham to have 81 yards and three touchdowns i mean he did have over 100 yards total if you count the 50 yard run Darius Slayton, lock and load, you know, he's going to have the inconsistent weeks. That's part of the games. That's, you know, that's part of the reasons we love him because it means that he's going to come in lower owned than he should be on in these spots, you know, where he's poised for a blow up. And this is one of those spots. Yeah. I mean, you don't got to tell me twice about playing Darius Slayton at 4,800. If you don't play Darius Slayton, I literally don't know what to tell you. The Giants are going to be losing this game. Okay. Ben already mentioned all the stats about all of his targets, which is just phenomenal. He's playing 98% of snaps so far in 2020. 98%. This is a 6-1, 4.39 burner. Ben, please tell me somebody that can keep up with him on the Cowboys defense. Darius Slayton is going for 40 points this week. There's nobody, nobody on the Cowboys that can keep up with Darius Slayton. Like, his projected cornerback matchup right now is Trayvon Diggs. Dude's an absolute scrub. You feel me? So, God, smash spot. 
Can't wait to play them. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely no one on the Cowboys who can keep up with them. There might not be anybody in the great state of Texas. Uh, You know, count all the Texans DBs, call up every college player. Yeah, I think Slayton's burning them all easily. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, 4,800 for Darius Slayton. Don't got to tell me twice. Yeah, and, uh, you know, in terms of cash games, again, this is a week where, you know, you can make the case, right, that Guys like, say, DeAndre Hopkins, who, you know, has 28 targets more than the next closest Cardinals receiver. He's averaging 9.75 receptions per game. Or Amari Cooper, who's leading the NFL in targets and is second in catches right now. Like, you could make the case that these guys are phenomenal cash plays. And on the surface, they are, right? But for the same reason that we faded Tyler Lockett, who was a great play last week, I think, again, we do the same here because you can find great target shares at wide receiver for 6k and below and and i think the conversation this week is going to revolve around robbie anderson and dj moore we talked about it Mm -hmm. on our last episode you know i believe that robbie anderson is the panthers wide receiver one i think dj moore this week is a phenomenal play as well i'm not sure where the public is going to land between these two guys which one is going to be the popular cash play if one actually is the popular cash player for it's or if it's kind of split you know how do you view the situation working itself out with the two carolina wide receivers yeah so i think that they both will have similar ownerships just because they are only 100 dollars a different in terms of pricing. DJ Moore is 6,000 and Robbie Anderson is 5,900. And just back to the point, like I don't see the need to pay up to a guy like DeAndre Hopkins when we have a guy like Robbie Anderson at 5,900, $2,000 cheaper than DeAndre Hopkins. And a lot of these players in this range, like you mentioned, have great target shares and are in incredible matchups. So I think 6,000 to like maybe even like 6,600 is the highest that you go in cash. And Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore are outstanding plays this week. Just getting back to that. I mean, the Falcons have given up the second most uh, yards total in the NFL. They've given up the second most amount of receiving yards, the second most amount of catches to wide receivers. So this is just an incredible spot for both of them. And I, I think it's personal preference at this point. But if I had to make a prediction, DJ Moore is going to be lower owned than Robbie Anderson, which would make him a better tournament play, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I I mean, that would be kind of surprising to me, to be honest, to see them, to see the public be so quick to move on from DJ Moore as a guy, you know, who was going in like the third round of redraft leagues or best ball leagues. And Robbie Anderson is a guy who was in the double digit rounds. I, I just, I don't know if I believe that the public is going to be that quick to adapt, whereas Robbie Anderson would be, um, you know, the, the higher owned guy, especially considering, yeah, well, Robbie Anderson's numbers are better, you know, more targets, more yards, more receptions and, and more touchdowns than DJ Moore. The numbers are close enough, especially the target numbers are close enough that I think people will lean with what they're most comfortable with, which is thinking that DJ Moore's the wide receiver one. But this is something that we'll have to track, I think, depending on, you know, how the popular DFS sites like, you know, like Roto Grinders, Establish the Run, et cetera, like how they tout these guys throughout the week will have a, a big impact as well. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. But the public is getting sharper in recent years. So yeah. I, I think we'll see uh, Robbie Anderson have a good amount of ownership this week. True. I never would have guessed that Daryl Henderson would be pushing 25% <laughs> last week. So I guess you never, you never know. So yeah, I think that just about covers wide receiver. You know, we talked about how we both 
like paying up to Kittle or like the idea of it, at least in cash. I mean, what about the idea of, of a different tight end? Who, who else are you looking at besides George Kittle this week in terms of cash game construction? I mean, it's tough this week because there aren't a lot of great options under 5k but I think if you are paying down at tight end which has been the right strategy to do this season even with the low scoring at tight end uh, just because it's harder for tight ends to hit their ceilings uh, rather than running backs or wide receivers which may which usually makes it right to pay down uh, so if you're if you're going that route this week I think Evan Ingram is very interesting at 4600 I mean just target every player against the Cowboys uh, it's just for me, I don't know if I can stomach playing two Giants in cash. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe that'll change come Saturday night, Sunday morning. But as of right now, I don't think I can do it personally. Uh, but other than that, I think Hayden Hurst, if you want to go there, is fine at 4700 And then I think the lowest you go is Eric Ebron at 4K. Yeah, I'm 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 not too interested in Ebron, to be honest. I mean, they did you. just give up 100 and whatever yards to Kittle and 15 catches. Yeah, so. but the 49ers don't really have the receiving options that, um, that is you true. Know, Pittsburgh has, and that ball could go in a lot of different directions. That being said, Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson both did not practice on Wednesday, which is kind of surprising considering the Steelers didn't play all last week. You know, you'd think they'd want to be getting back to their practicing as soon as possible. So, you know, maybe some injuries could push more targets to Eric Ebron. I guess it's something to consider. I'm right there with you as far as Evan Ingram being sort of, you know, out of reach just because Slayton is a priority and I don't want to play two Giants, you know, with an implied team total of like 22 when George Kittle is, you know, on a team that, I mean, the total's risen since we started recording. It's up to 29 now. So, I mean, this this is a rising total and his target share is just so dominant and the lack of receivers makes him such a great play. That's that's definitely my lean. I was definitely interested in Jonu Smith, but that game is most likely out. So I'm not even going to discuss that play. And and the thing with me is that, you know, Evan Ingram's 4,600 and George Kittle's only 2K more. I mean, the difference, it's not like Evan Ingram is, you know, 2.5 or 3.5K. I mean, we're only talking about a 2K difference for a much, much higher floor ceiling combo in Kittle. So the price discrepancy, I don't think is is large enough Mm -hmm. for me in this spot. I guess we'll see how salary plays out though. It's not a large salary discrepancy, but uh, I will say like if Evan Ingram scores let's just throw 13 points right if he scores 13 points at 4.6k and George Kittle scores 18 to 20 you're gonna want to have the Evan Ingram at 4.6k that so that's always something to think about but Kittle is obviously the clear-cut best play on the slate and then uh you could just pivot to Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews if that's your vibe but I think you just get up to Kittle as the number one option uh on the Niners in their receiving group so at the running back position i think that you know we made it pretty clear elliot and edwards hilaire should be priorities uh, mike davis is a guy that you mentioned that you like i like him as well definitely in consideration there are two other names right now um if i were going to publish my cash pool article on this thursday instead of tomorrow the two guys that i would have out there right now would be jarek mckinnon assuming that Mostert and Coleman are out, um, you know, that would completely change if one of them were to return. And then Antonio Gibson at 5K. How, how do you feel about Antonio Gibson as a guy 
to consider in cash this week at 5k uh antonio gibson seems like he's always tempting me in, <laughs> in one way or another but i i don't think i would go to antonio gibson in cash uh i still think it's too thin um it is encouraging that he had 17 touches last week including five targets and had a pretty uh, solid day 22 points and he has done nothing but improve in terms of fantasy throughout the course of these four weeks so i mean if you want to go there you know i I won't say anything but i still think it is pretty thin i'm one of the worst offenses in the nfl uh led by kyle allen which is not really an upgrade from Dwayne haskins in my opinion Uh, so i want to go there but jarek mckinnon jarek mckinnon is definitely interesting if coleman and mostert are out this week at 5,800. He played 92% of snaps last week against the Eagles. And this is a guy that we know uh, has elite receiving upside out of the backfield. We saw him have seven catches and eight targets last week against the Eagles, along with 14 rushing attempts. So uh, that is something to keep your eye on, uh, uh, listeners. Uh, Jarek McKinnon might be a great play. Yeah, I mean, the 92% of snaps is just, it's crazy. I didn't know he had it in him, and I'm definitely going to be keeping a look at how that turns out. But Mostert uh, returned to practice for the first time since he went down in week two on Wednesday. If he continues getting solid practices in, he's most likely on track to return, which would completely derail that. And uh, to the Antonio Gibson point, you know, the biggest concern with him and the thing that eventually got me off of Daryl Henderson last week is the snap share. I mean, he only played 44% of snaps last week, despite having his best fantasy game of the season. He has one game with over 60% of snaps that he saw in week two. To me, I mean, maybe this is anecdotal and maybe this is, you know, bad process to think this way. But to me, this is like Ron Rivera's dream. You know, he's reuniting you know, all the pieces that he had in, in Carolina. He got Kyle Allen back as as the starter, and Antonio Gibson is the guy that is supposed to be Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he's the one who said that, that he's like Christian McCaffrey light. And Kyle Allen, you know, threw to Christian McCaffrey and made Christian McCaffrey one of the best fantasy players or, or the best fantasy asset of all time, right, with the reception. So we know that he has a propensity to dump off. I think that it's probably not an upgrade, maybe not even a downgrade on Dwayne Haskins, maybe just, you know, a sidestep from one bad quarterback to another. But we know that Allen has a propensity to dump off to the running back, which I think boosts Gibson's outlook, at least to a certain extent. Definitely. I think you're right on that. But like you said, he is only playing, you know, sub 50% of snaps. Uh, So until that increases, it'll be a very thin play in my opinion agreed with that sentiment and then i guess uh in terms of cash game construction last thing we have to touch on is quarterback and there's a lot of different ranges that i think you can be in this week i mean kyle allen 4100 here's your time you know to talk about it (laughs) is this is this something that you're going to be considering uh kyle allen 4100 almost a stone minimum for a starting quarterback in NFL Week 5 at home against the LA Rams. Uh, so not a terrible matchup, but not the best matchup on the board for him. And I mean, you know, realistically, if you play Kyle Allen, you only need 15 points and he has that fire symbol next to his name, right? He's probably going to end up as the best point per dollar quarterback play on the board Uh, barring any major performances from the top guys so I can't fault anybody for going all the way down to him at 4100 like I said you're just getting a quarterback at the stone minimum 
and that will allow you to play a lot of studs in your lineup. But yeah, no, no, don't play <laughs> Kyle Allen. I said all that just to say no, don't play Kyle Allen. Um, I think it is worth playing one of the top guys like Mahomes or Dak, or you can go in the mid range to Matt Ryan or Teddy Bridgewater and even Daniel Jones at 5,400, I think is a better play than Kyle Allen. So stay away from Allen and and target one of those guys uh, that I just mentioned. Yeah, I I definitely won't be playing Allen. Um, You reeled me in there. I thought you were going to be on Team Allen, but uh, yeah, glad to hear that you're not. To me, it's the same principle as the uh, Adam Troutman play from last week. It's like, yeah, you know, he might barely scrape by and quote unquote hit value, 3x his salary, whatever you consider to be hitting value, but I just, I just don't see it. Like, I don't see that, especially on a slate with guys like, you know, Dak Prescott in a massive total. Prescott on pace to be one of the best fantasy quarterbacks of all time. Uh, Patrick Mahomes on this slate, expensive as he is, 7,700. But this Chiefs offense, I mean, I, I can't remember ever seeing a total be damn near 35, 34.75 as it sits right now. So it's just, it's just incredibly difficult for me to get out of that tier. I mean, if I'm going to be looking in the mid range though, Teddy Bridgewater is very interesting to me against this Falcons defense that was garbage last week and then proceeded to lose multiple starters. And throughout the course of that Packers game, Bridgewater's interesting sub six K and Daniel Jones as well. I mean, Danny dimes to go stacks and cash. What could go wrong? <laughs> yeah. I don't think anything could go wrong there. Uh, but, uh, I think I'm starting to come around to Teddy in cash at 5,900. I mean, this is just a phenomenal spot for the Panthers offense all around. And we saw him, you know, have a rushing touchdown last week, and it was a pretty good run too. And he had six rushing attempts for 32 yards. So if he brings that upside as a rusher, as well as his passing upside, I think he has a solid bet to score, you know, 25 points in this matchup. And at 5.9K, I think he's one of the best quarterback plays on the slate. And I, I'd be willing to play him in cash. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I do. I, I like uh, Teddy Bridgewater quite a bit this week. I mean, they have a decent implied total, too. It's sitting at uh, 26 as as it stands right now. And they are three and a half point dog. So it projects to be a good game script for Teddy to be slinging the ball. So yeah, I like that as well. Let's move on to the tournament strategy section of the podcast, leverage stacks and long shots. Joey, what do you have for the people in terms of tournaments this week? Yeah. So I think in tournaments, you play one of the chalk running backs and then you just fade the other two. So you know, whether that be Zeke, CEH, or Mike Davis, uh, you play one of those, whichever one you feel most comfortable with, and then you can get leverage on the field by playing running backs around similar price tags to those guys that I just mentioned. And, you know, we mentioned one of them, Kareem Hunt, could have lower ownership in tournaments, and that is good leverage off of Mike Davis. I think he is one of the better tournament plays on the slate. Um, if you want to take a shot on some cheap running backs that we mentioned, Jarek McKinnon might have lower ownership. Hate to say it, but Kenyon Drake, the biggest fantasy bust of 2020 so far, could be a good tournament play at 5,700 going up against the Jets. So I think you just play one of the chalk running backs and, and get away from the chalk at running back in tournaments this week, especially on a 10 game slate. Yeah. And I think that for me, one of the things that I'm going to be looking to do in tournaments this week is just make sure that I'm not getting too far away from the best plays. I mean, we've seen it in back-to-back weeks this week that you can play 
what you know appears to be the best stacks and, and just differentiate your lineups in different ways. So like I'm not going to get away from playing a Mahomes to Tyreek Hill stack this week. I mean Tyreek Hill, you know we didn't talk about him in cash games because the targets are just really not there for him. He's had three games with only six targets through four weeks, but at 6,900, we know what his ceiling is. I mean, he's, he's definitely underpriced for his ceiling. So yeah, like I'll play a stack like that. Even if it's chalky, I'll play a stack like Dak to Cooper with another uh, receiver and just get weird in different ways. Danny Dimes to Darius Slayton. That is a stack that I'm going to be all over with Zeke on the bring back makes so much sense. And you know, if you want to get a long shot, I'll just dive right into a quick long shot. I mean, give me Golden Tate in the double stack. I know that he's an old man at this point, but I mean, he has a fierce heart. We saw it last week as he threw blows with Jalen Ramsey at midfield over the disrespect that Ramsey showed his sister. I mean, I respect that from as a as a man. And with Danny Dimes double stacks to, to Slayton and Golden Tate, you're just getting a lot of heart between those three men. <laughs> oh, they were fighting at midfield. That's funny. Uh, but... I like that stack a lot, and I mean, you're definitely right on just playing the best plays. I mean, the Dak to Cooper and Lamb and running back with Odell stack, which won the Millie Maker last week. You know, all of those players were around 15% owned, so they had ownership, but nothing too extreme, and that was clear-cut the best stack on the board, and it's been like that. You said the last two weeks has been like that for the whole NFL season, (laughs) just playing the best stacks is winning right now and i think with only 10 games probably we just go back to the well we run a dallas Cowboys stack we run a chief stack um i even like the texan stack i outlined it in my video and you just play these stacks and you know you can get different by playing the lower owned guys in that game i mean if zeke is going to be the highest owned running back just fade zeke play the dallas pass catchers and you have natural leverage right there and then you you know bring godius on the bring back or evan ingram or golden tate like you mentioned uh sometimes it's it's stupid to overthink things and this is one of the things like just play the best plays it's easy to say that but like play the best plays yeah and uh that texan stack by the way i'm glad you brought that up because i like that a lot i mean i wouldn't go there in in cash with really any of those guys i don't think but i mean Deshaun Watson to Will Fuller, even like DJ Chark, who will be like 1% owned at 6,500. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's phenomenal plays. That's that's just something that I'm going to definitely have some exposure to in a week like this. Any other tournament thoughts for you before we move on? Yeah, so I'll just give a low owned stack that I like for this week. Um, That's the Steelers. So Big Ben to Juju or Deontay Johnson. And then, you know, you could bring it back if you want with an Eagles player. You really don't have to. Um, I don't mind Miles Sanders at 6,500 in a tough matchup. He should be sub 5% owned. So I like the Steelers stack uh, in this matchup going up against a pass funnel in the Philadelphia Eagles secondary. And, you know, they didn't play last week. They're pissed. And they're going to take it out on this Eagles defense. Uh, so, yeah, just giving, giving the listeners a low on stack. And, you know, it's going to hit. Uh, I'll mark my words right now. It's going to hit. Okay. I like that. I mean, well, you know, I said I like that because that's like something I say. But I actually don't like that at all. Um, <laughs> because I just I just I don't see that this Eagles team being able to really keep up against the Steelers defense really in any meaningful way unless this is just a spot where the Steelers 
you know, pile like 35 points on and the Eagles are just helpless. But yeah, I guess I don't know about that one yet. I have to think about that more because I haven't really considered that. The other the other one I guess we have to mention though before we, you know, completely overlook it. We've been talking for like almost 45 minutes at this point, over 45 minutes, and I don't think we've brought up the Baltimore Ravens at all. And this is a team with a 32 implied team total. Um, Lamar Jackson did miss Wednesday's practice with, you know, a mysterious knee injury. I mean, that could make this game, you know, very unappealing, but I, I, I do like it, you know, at this point, especially if it's going to be sneaky. Marquise Brown is a guy who just, it's all the opportunity. He hasn't had that monster game yet. He's been tackled at the one like twice. So it's, it's almost happening for Marquise Brown and he's going to have little to no ownership. If this game goes overlooked, I think it's a pretty solid spot to look in tournaments with a number of different bringbacks uh, on the Bengals side, Tyler Boyd or um, T Higgins, if, if that's your vibe as well, as long as it's not AJ Green. <laughs> yeah, AJ Green is one of the worst wide receivers in the NFL right now. And, you know, he got his spot taken by T Higgins. But yeah, I mean, I like the Ravens in this spot. Lamar Jackson, this might be controversial this week, but I think I'd rather pay the extra 200 to play Lamar over Pat Mahomes in cash. Mm. Hot take. Uh, But yeah, I like Lamar a lot this week. And God forbid if he's out, Robert Griffin the third is 4,400. And I would absolutely lock him in in my cash lineup with no Fs given. Yeah, RG3, 4,400. I mean, that would, that would be a much... Much better play, in my opinion, than Kyle Allen, uh, just just with the way that he would be utilized in in that Baltimore offense. But uh, hopefully, hopefully Lamar's good. I don't I don't want to have to think about playing RG three in cash. So let's just <laughs> let's just not even go there. Um, yeah, I think that's that's about all we've got here for tournaments. Joey, do you have a best bet for the people? You're four of five on the season, eighty percent. You know what what can the people look to for for you in terms of sports betting this week? Yeah, so got one bet for everybody. One bet every single week, I think, is the way to go. Um, you know, stay away from the parlays if you're still listening. Don't do those. Those are just losers. Okay, don't don't do parlays. So one game, and you know, I'm gonna pick a dog, an underdog. Can you guess who it is, real quick? Let's take a wild guess. One team. One team that you're going to bet on underdog, I mean, is it going to be the Carolina Panthers? No, it's mm. going to be the Cleveland Browns at home against the Colts. Uh, the Colts are currently one and a half point favorites. Nah, we don't need the one and a half points in this game. We need the money line at plus money. Uh, Browns at home, like I just said. I think they're a better team than the Colts all around. I think they have a better offense. I think they have equally as good of a defense as the Colts do. And Phillip Rivers is an absolute scrub. I can't believe that I was on the Phillip Rivers train so heavy in best ball. Uh, one of my worst takes probably this year. But yeah, Browns at home money line against the Colts. I think they win this game outright. And, you know, they've been one of the best teams in the NFL this season. So I think they continue their dominance in week five. Interesting. Interesting. You know, I'm going to uh, piggyback right off of that and I'm going to hit the under on that game at 47 points. I think that this is going to be a slow paced, just absolute, you know, competition to see who can establish the run better. I don't think there's going to be too much passing. I, I think that the Colts could potentially find some passing success against the Browns. 
I don't think the Browns have a great shot at getting passing success against the Colts, and I don't think that they're going to try, to be honest. So I think that this game is going to have few plays ran, and it's going to go under 47. I guess, you know, I don't really have a strong take on who I think is going to win, but I just think it's going to be a low-scoring game. And I will throw one more out there, you know, since, you know, you're bold enough to take the underdog without the points, I'm going to do the same thing. And, you know, it was a Freudian slip when you asked me to guess that the team that was on my mind is is Carolina. I think that they win this game outright. They're three and a half point dogs uh, traveling to Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta on a short week after just a completely embarrassing performance, to be honest, against the Packers on Monday Night Football. I think that the Panthers go into Atlanta, win this game, and then Dan Quinn proceeds to be fired as the second NFL head coach to lose his job in 2020. That's that's how I see this week playing out. Yeah, I I really like that bet a lot too. And the Panthers have a very uh, solid chance to win this game. So I like that bet. And I just want to give a, a bold prediction for this week. I think this is going to be the lowest scoring week of the season. So I like a lot of the unders too. If you're an under better, I, I think this is going to be from a total wise, the lowest scoring week in terms of total points and the lowest scoring fantasy week of the season so far. Bold prediction. I mean, I could see that happening to be honest with you with, you know, especially on this DraftKings main slate in particular with teams like new Orleans, uh, Seattle, off the slate, Josh Allen and the Bills likely to not be on this slate due to a, a potential postponement. So yeah, I think a lot of the best offenses are off the slate right now. So yeah, it, yeah. Ma- it makes a lot of sense that this will be a much lower scoring game. And we kind of alluded to it in the tournament section. And, you know, when we talked about at the top of the show, ownership condensing, but to me, that's just all the more reason to not get too cute in tournaments this week, especially in just you know, play the teams that have a legit shot to go over 30 points because they're going to be fewer and further between. So like Dallas stacks, Casey stacks, et cetera. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be all in on stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I definitely forgot to mention this in the intro. As an NFL fan, there there is not one game on this slate that I would sit down and watch for a full 60 minutes. So shout out to Red Zone because that is the only thing I will be watching come Sunday because these games are terrible. God bless Red Zone. Absolutely. (laughs) All right, guys, that's going to be it for us. Thank you for listening to episode 95 of the DFS Dose podcast. Like Joey said at the top of the show, you can support us by following on any possible podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, anywhere you get your podcasts, we are there. And uh, support on the YouTube channel is greatly appreciated. It uh, appreciated as well, putting a lot of work into that, getting the clips out every single week. So yeah, any support you can give to us in that way would be greatly appreciated. As always, you can follow our Twitters as well at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Joey, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Joey Carey and DFS. All right, guys, let's make some good plays this week and sail to the money.